Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us today. Show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Force Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Play by play call the day. The Sixers get it done against the Nets. Brooklyn turns it over. J.J. stops at the line. Back to a trailing Embiid. He'll try for three. It's good. Joel Embiid knocks down another three. It's 41-17. to 17. Oh, man. And Embiid stops and poses at center court. A 9-0 run. And it just stayed like that all night. They built up a 39-point lead. They won by 22. And now they get the Raptors. And our thanks, by the way, it was Tom McGinnis, but our thanks to Mark Zumoff, who joined us in the previous half hour. We'll get to the uh, NFL draft here in a moment. Just uh, Matt Norlander from CBS Sports on today's trial, where it's Sean Miller's taking, uh, in terms of testimony, the head coach at Arizona not doing well, to the point where now there's going to be a request about having him, like, that he should testify. Uh, Christian Dawkins, uh, and this is all part of Marty Blazer's uh, testimony today. On Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino may be the only person who doesn't know what's going on. Like, Rick has no clue what's going on at his own school. Dawkins talking about Arizona linking up with Book Richardson and DeAndre Ayton. Richardson was the assistant coach. If you're going to fund those kind of guys, man, like we'd be running college basketball. He is saying this on a yacht to two undercover agents, by the way. Screenshots of text messages shows Dawkins' plan to, at the very least, make contact with many coaches to eventually slash hopefully attempt to get them into business with them and or the programs they worked for. There were a lot of targets. Targets included, and obviously never made contact with many, Sean Miller, Rick Pitino, Tom Izzo, Will Wade, Marvin Menzies, Kevin Keats of NC State, Dennis Felton, who at that point had been at Georgia, assistant coaches Book Richardson, yes, Kenny Johnson, Jordan Fair, Mike Morrell, Greg Hare, Tony Bland, yes, you know, and Preston Murphy, Sadi Washington from Michigan, Dane Fife, Dwayne Stevens, yes, that's Jared's brother from Michigan State, Leo Dawkins, Chris Caputo, Jamal Walker, Amir Abdul Rahim, Anthony Coleman, Yasir Rosebud. We're all on this list. So I'm just giving you an idea of what, you know, it doesn't mean that they, you know, that that any of these people did anything, but they were on the alleged list. And that's why it's worth 
least getting into it to show you how deep they thought this was going. And he then goes on to say, uh, Blazer testified that former Creighton assistant Preston Murphy accepted $6,000 to help funnel players to Dawkins' company in June of 2017. He also said Markel Fultz's agent, Raymond Brothers, agreed to direct some of Fultz's business to Dawkins' company. Now, whether that was before or after Washington, I don't know. Uh, also, from Matt Norlander, uh, Steve Haney, attorney for Christian Dawkins, says he's going to make an argument to the judge tomorrow morning to reconsider having coaches testify. Miller is obviously one of them there. One of the more random comments today was Dawkins on a wiretap talking up his connections with Tom Izzo. Talking about Izzo, he's been in my blanking house crying and junk before when my dad didn't deliver him Draymond. Dawkins' dad, of course, is a college basketball coach. Uh, And, by the way, there's no insinuation of foul play, to be clear. So there you go. That's what's going on today. And uh, as I said yesterday when this all happened, I said, believe me, this will quickly shift to college basketball in a hurry, and it has. All right, uh, let's uh, get to it here. Uh, Let's talk about the draft. Pro Football Focus uh, article on Miles Sanders. Welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. You have been doing a lot of features, including that on Miles Sanders. What did you learn in the Sanders analytically, but also in the feature that you put together on him? You know, watching film on him, the first thing I noticed that he forces a ton of missed tackles with patience, with elusiveness, whips out a hurdle here and there. And then when I looked at the analytics, he's one of the best running backs in this class of forced missed tackles per attempt. He's one of the best in yards after contact per attempt. This is a guy that creates yards for himself. And when I talked to him over the phone and, and interviewed him, I, I found more more things to like. I think Miles Sanders is very easy to like. He's a very smart player, wants to get better, knows he can get better. He, he he leans on Saquon Barkley as a mentor to use his styles and get better like Saquon Barkley does. Is a gym rat like Saquon Barkley is. I think everywhere you look, the analytics, you know, the interview process, he has nailed it, and I think it's easy to fall in love with a guy like that. Right, when you look at everything that's put together in a draft, obviously the running back position, Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott, have, in my opinion, have helped at least the position and the perception of it in recent years. How do you look at the running back position in today's game in the NFL, Austin? Well, you know, here at Pro Football Focus, we've kind of hit, you know, hit it hard in saying that the running back position is heavily dependent on its supporting cast. The running back production is dependent on offensive line play, yep. play calling, scheme. It's so much better to have a good offensive line than a good running back. And, and that showed with, you know, you look at an undrafted free agent in Philip Lindsay to the Denver Broncos. He had one of the best run-blocking offensive lines, averaged more yards before contact than any other running back in the NFL, and he went on and had one of the best rookie seasons on paper. You look at the same thing with Matt Breda in San Francisco. A great run-blocking offensive line, had a, very, a lot of success despite not being a high draft pick because of his offensive line. When you can have that production from a Breda, 
from a Lindsay, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to start targeting running backs high in the draft because you can find guys easy in, you know, in the later rounds or in drafted that can run behind good offensive lines. Draft the good offensive linemen early and find running backs that can at least find holes and are athletic enough to create here and there. I think that's the strategy we support, given what we've seen in recent years, especially with rushing not being as valuable as passing. All of that factors in. Can you see uh, running backs having value as second-day picks? Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. where where value comes as a day two pick for a running back is can he elevate the passing game? Is, yes. Can he catch the ball? You know, can he catch the ball? Yes. Can he run routes out of the backfield and out of the backfield? Can he create separation on those routes? Can he run more than a screen, more than a flare? And, and all those things factor in. And if you can find a natural pass catching back like Alabama's Josh Jacobs, for example, that adds value. That's when day two starts to make a lot more sense for a running back. But if he's just a runner you have to start thinking about maybe moving that guy down to day three on your board. Because if you can't affect the pass, you can't stop the pass, if you can't rush the passer, or if you can't throw the ball or catch the ball, you're just not as valuable in today's NFL. And when it comes to catching the football, of course, I want to see hands, but then I want to watch and see how they run routes. Are they a circle float out of the backfield guy or check down guy, or can you make a linebacker miss by running the route? Uh, and that exactly. I look at the – see, I to me – you look at Zeke Elliott. Let's take two guys that are playing right now. Elliott, he'll float out of the backfield, right? Barkley runs routes the way Le'Veon Bell runs routes. I mean, that's I look at. I don't know. I look at that. I know you do too, Austin, to see how a guy runs a route. Oh, absolutely. You look at Saquon Barkley. He could possibly have more value as a slot receiver. The guy runs routes as, as yeah. good or as the best as any running yes. back in the NFL right now. Yeah. And I think you saw that in his advanced stats. I think dating back to pro football fo- when pro football focus started in 2006, he had the highest target total of any running rookie running back, highest receiving yards, highest sportsman's tackles on receptions. This guy's a receiver first and should be used as such. Of course, you want to bang him 20, 25 carries a game. Sure. Split this guy out wide and get value out of him as a receiver because that's where he adds to value. That's where he can be explosive, be the big play guy, and really elevate your expected points for dropback and your expected points per play. Uh, I want to ask you, you've done some other uh, features as well. A couple guys that in your features that when it was done, you were far more intrigued about them as a player when the feature was over with. Looking at another running back, Boise State's Alexander Madison. This is a guy that isn't getting talked about a ton. When I got off the phone with him, I was truly blown away. He's a bilingual kid, was in a dual immersion school as as, um, as a kid, learned Spanish very early, very smart. School came first, football second, but he's still a very good football player. He runs upright, runs square to the line of scrimmage, can force his tackles with a lowered shoulder. He broke out hurdles at Boise State. I think his coaches you know, call him a Jay Ajayi, to use the Boise State comparison, sure. but a better Jay Ajayi. He's bigger. He's faster. He has more juice. He has more quicks. I think this is a guy that will surprise people when he enters the NFL as a day three pick. I like him a ton because he's committed to getting better. He's a gym rat, very smart guy that knows where the NFL is going with running backs. He needs to improve his pass protection. He needs to get better as a receiver. He's prioritizing that rather than relying on the strengths he already has. I think that is the mentality when you take that to the NFL will last a long time. Uh, you've also been uh, someone that's uh, really like Jonah Williams. Why? Oh, 
there's a ton of reasons to like him too, a lot like Miles <laughs> Sanders. I think you look at the film, he's a, he's an angry dude, very physical, can get you know get to the second level in the run game with solid athleticism, holds his own in pass protection against some of the best pass rushers in college football last year, playing in the SEC at left tackle, starting experience at left and right tackle, playing for Alabama. It, it, all of that looks great. And then when you talk to the guy, oh, my gosh, they're taken to a whole other level. This is the guy that charted all of his opponents pregame, how many times they rushed the passer, what moves they used, and how many times they won. He takes that information, puts it in Excel, creates a spider chart to understand what moves he needs to face, tells the guy he's playing against the scout team, hey, I need you to use this move because I'm going to see it a lot against this guy in week five or week six or whatever. He's mentally prepared every week, physically prepared, committed to getting better, and even though he has shorter arms than maybe people like, he makes up for it with all the other strengths he has. Austin, this is not quite a sexy draft. Um, last year was because you've got Mayfield, then you got Barkley, then you got Sam Darnold, then there are other quarterbacks as well. This is the... Uh, Football lovers draft, though those who really love the game, it's their kind of draft. So outside of the trenches, where do you find value in the draft? Because we know in the trenches is where the value is going to be this year. So let's go outside. Give me some surprise outside value that, that people can look for. I think there's a ton of value in this cornerback class. I know not a lot of them are going to go top 10 or even top 15 because – all the top guys are very scheme dependent, whether it's running press man or a zone heavy scheme. But the guys that you can get outside the top 20 of this draft in that 20 to 40 pick range are all very good in their own right. Byron Murphy, pro football focuses top corner, will need to be in his own scheme, but he will be your best corner in his own scheme in a cover right. two, cover three focus scheme. You look at Greedy Williams. Yes, you're nervous about him getting out physical at the next level because he lacks a little bit of a slight frame. However, he's a great man corner, has great athletic mirror ability. There's no corner better, in my opinion, at sticking with a guy deep down the field on, on in routes, out routes, all of it. Then you go to DeAndre Baker, physical corner out of Georgia. You have Amani Warrior, Penn State's guy. Then you have Justin Lane, Michigan State, Sean Bunting, Central Michigan. All these names are top 50, top 60 players that you can get your hands on in a class where maybe there isn't a top 10 corner, but there's still a ton of value at that position, especially if you're drafting in that 20 to 40 range. What's interesting is that you read uh, other publications, just to glance through, they do their 1 through 100 guys. And I haven't been seeing Imani Oriuere's name on these 1 through 100s, but you've got him at 35. Why? We, we love his length, we, know, we love his athleticism, and we think we like him at the catch point. You look at 2017 and 2018 film, this guy makes plays on the ball, and you have to love that. I also think he got smarter as he grew at Penn State. You watch his throws from start to finish, from 2017 week one to the end of 2018, you see this kid get better. Yep. You pair that with great, you know, great mental approach, great athleticism, ideal length and size, an improving kid, a constantly improving kid at a position that is harder and harder to find in the NFL and so valuable, you have to take a flyer on that kid in the top 40. It makes too much sense, and that's why we have him at number 35 on the big board. What does it take on your part to put all of this together, grade-wise and film-wise? So, And how do you break all of this up in such that's a way, personnel-wise? That's a great question, and it's all factored into a very in-depth, detailed, and long 
player evaluation process for us from the college to the pros. You know, first and foremost, we're looking at our grades. We grade every player at the collegiate level in the FBS from negative two to positive two on every play. That's every player. And we take those grades, right. normalize them against a zero to 100 scale, and use those to start to form a big board. Then we factor in our data analysis, looking at what grades, what advanced stats translate from a correlation standpoint from the college level to the pros. Once we start to get an idea of those stable metrics, those less volatile metrics, then we start to dive into the film, see where these guys stand out on film, see where you know some of the things that maybe the grades and the advanced stats don't pick up. You factor in measurables, you factor in testing at the scouting combine, you throw all of that together, obviously weighting more in the advanced statistics, weighting more in what correlates to the next level, but also factoring in and understanding certain thresholds that you can look at with the scouting combine. Where is actually do you need to be? How tall do you need to be to play corner? How, you know, how long do your arms need to be to play offensive tackle? Looking at those thresholds and understanding all of those numbers, trying to quantify all those numbers is where we go. And it's a long process. It's in-depth. But we do take the time and we do try to make sure we're right. Well, uh, I'll ask one last question, then then uh, I'll let you get on with your life. <laughs> and the, the the last question is this. How often is it for you where, okay, you see numbers and they tell you one story? Is How often does it happen when you look at the tape and say, you know what? The numbers don't quite match up with what I'm watching here. It, it, probably most of the time it matches up and one explains the other. But how often do you see somebody go, geez, that doesn't quite match up with what the numbers say? There will be a lot of times where, you know, maybe not a lot, but often enough to notice that the numbers or the grades or the advanced statistics don't match up with what you see on film. You can see a guy graded very well and maybe not have the tools to get better. Maybe he was favored by a supporting cast. Right. Maybe he was going against poor opponents. You start to factor in opponent-adjusted grades, looking at a supporting cast. You look at Daniel Jones. He has the least you know, supporting cast, the worst supporting cast in football among the top quarterbacks in this class. Right. Offensive line was one of the worst in pass blocking efficiency. His, his receivers drop more passes than any of the top quarterbacks in the class. Right. Factor those two together and you start to understand the lack of production. You start to understand why he took so many sacks. That stuff is what film brings to the table. When you see an offensive line going down and you see, you know, wide receivers dropping passes and all of that, you start to look back at the numbers and realize maybe individual grades or a reflection of who they win against or a lack of a supporting cast, like I said. I think that all helps when we are able to turn on the film and really look at these guys closely. Cardinals take Murray first, right? Absolutely. I, I, if the Cardinals don't take Murray first, whoever trades up to go into the Arizona spot is taking Murray first. I do not see him leaving that number one spot. Whether it's Arizona, Oakland maybe makes a trade up, or another team, Kyler Murray goes number one overall in this class. Can you imagine if Oakland did? Right. <laughs> it's, it's tough to imagine. And the, and the A's are sitting there saying, okay, your point, really? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I could see my buddy, who, Rich Sparks, who's a scout for the Oakland A's, a good friend of mine. I could see him going, you got to be kidding me. All right. <laughs> Austin, thanks so much. What a pleasure. This was terrific. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Have a good one. Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Matt has his top five coming up. Yes, You're I do. With a surprise. With a surprise. Really? I have a well, trade. Doesn't, doesn't that whet the appetite? Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So now 
Matty Ice is telling us here that he's got a deal in the opening five picks. Wow. Yes, I do. All right, we're going to get your five picks coming up in just a few minutes. We'll take a break. I'm back in a moment. Bob of the hour, time for news. Today, by the way, is Administrative Assistance uh, Day. Talking about people who work hard every day. Imagine being the suits administrative assistant. <laughs> I had a feeling that was where you were taking that point. Uh, first of all, you're confused. You don't know what he does. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to figure out which movie theater he's at. All right, so. <laughs> what? Get outside and clean up the yard. Yes, dear. Springtime means cleanup time, even at Sunbury Motors Ford. Sunbury Motors Spring Inventory Cleanup has begun. Once a year, SMC takes their entire new Ford inventory and prices them at levels not seen before. SMC is where you want to be to choose from 44 2019 Ford Escapes. This just in, Ford Motor Company and Sunbury Motors have increased the discounts on 2019 Ford Escapes. They're slashed to the lowest price ever offered to the general public. Now at an amazing $18.95. SMC is where you want to be for 2019 Ford F-150s starting at just $25,899. And SMC has 66 in stock. SMC is where you want to be if you want a brand new 2018 Ford Focus for $14,905. Hurry in to Sunbury Motors Ford in the Northwest Street Auto Plaza. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us. Ben Roethlisberger gets a contract extension, as we talked about in the previous two shows that would probably happen, and that is exactly what's going to happen. He's uh, got a contract extension through 2021. Look, he's the best shot they've got. They know it. There aren't a lot of quality quarterbacks in the NFL. He is one of them. Uh, He led the league in passing yards, but he also led the league in interceptions. And it's a two-year extension worth $68 million. And now it's time for the Matty Ice Top (laughs) 5. All right, so I've got the Cardinals... Taking Kyler Murray, as we've all kind of speculated and we've seen it all along, I just think that's what's going to happen. As I said to you on during the show on Monday, Steve, when I was filling in for Sean again, I don't necessarily like the direction that the Cardinals are going in. I like Kyler Murray as a prospect itself, but himself, I should say, but don't like the, necessarily the direction that the Cardinals are going in. But nonetheless, I got Murray going one to Arizona. Number two, I got Nick Bosa going to San Francisco. Of course, defensive yeah. man out of Ohio State be a big fit there with San Francisco, what they have defensively. Now comes the fun part. There are lots of rumors about what's going on with Dan Snyder and the Washington Redskins. 
Supposedly, they, he took over the draft. That is exactly right. That was tweeted out by Grant Paulson of 106.7 The Fan in Washington at NBC Sports Washington. <laughs> this cannot make Roger happy. Um, definitely not whatsoever. Roger, you cannot be happy with this. It is. You cannot be happy with your guy taking over the draft because I'm not. There are questions in Washington whether he knows if the ball stuffed or inflated. <laughs> well, that's exactly right, and that, that's so. That report came from Grant Paulson from NBC Sports Washington, but then he then tweeted this out a little bit later. He says, "For what it's worth, in the interest of the Redskins side of this, he just talked to a Redskins spokesman who said any person saying Dan Snyder has taken over the team's first round decision making is quote categorically false." So, I guess with that being said, I think the Redskins are going to do that because Dan Snyder is out of his mind. This trade would make absolutely zero sense. (laughs) But, nonetheless, I had the Redskins trading up to the number three spot with the New York Jets because the Jets, since the beginning that the draft order that after it was set, they've been looking to trade down. Here's their partner for it, and the Washington Redskins. Redskins trade all the way up from 15 to 3, and they get Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Wow. So that's my, I guess, bold prediction, if if you call it. Now, what would the Redskins give up to get the, th- or get the three? Well, I'm trying to think. When they when they traded up for Robert Griffin, I'm trying to pull up Grant Paulson. I think they gave up two, two ones and a two, if I remember correctly. Uh, let's see. Okay. I gotta pull up. Yeah, they gave up two ones and a two. Yeah, to move up four picks in 2012. So you're moving up 10-plus spots. I'm guessing you're going to have to give up at least two first-round picks and I'm guessing probably two second-round picks. Okay. I don't know if I can see them giving up three first-round picks, but you never know. It's it's Dan Snyder. And Diana Rossidi of ESPN actually has been saying the same thing. She's covering the Redskins for the draft for ESPN. And she's also told that the Redskins draft board is officially set, but there are some disagreements in the in, in Redskins land. As it, she says, it's clear... There are many in Redskins organization on the coaching and scouting staff who do not want to take a quarterback in the first round. This was tweeted out 20 minutes ago. She says the yeah. decision isn't up to them, so obviously that's going to turmoil is going to continue there in Washington. But then four, I have Oakland staying put, taking Quentin Williams from Alabama, and yeah. number five, I have Tampa Bay taking Josh Allen, the linebacker from Kentucky. Wouldn't be surprised if they also take uh, Devin White from LSU too. So I, either way, I see Tampa Bay going linebacker, but I'll go Josh Allen there. So that's my top five with the big one, the big trade, of course, with the Redskins and the Jets. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Wow. So, uh, all right. Big trade in there. It's interesting how Arizona has the first pick. Now, if you don't know for weeks who that person is going to be, you, I, I, to me that falls under the category of you have to be kidding me. If you don't know, it's it's got to be under the category of you have to be kidding me. Yeah, I feel like you should you probably f- have be a on the same page, but b who know you know who it is like way should before be you're on the clock. Like they should, should know today. Nego- they should be negotiating with the guy's agent now. <laughs> I mean, why not? You can. You're allowed to. You are. Yeah, and I'm sure that is happening. Whoever the pick is. Like I said, though, earlier, imagine if the Raiders got Kyler Murray. (laughs) You're the A's. You're sharing the same stadium. Really? That would be pretty interesting. (laughs) That actually would be really funny, and that would be such a Raiders move. God. 
that would well, literally ha- that would literally just kill Twitter instantly if that were to happen. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be unreal. Okay, the uh, Mets looking to make a three-game sweep of the Phillies. Vince Velasquez tonight for the Phils. Jason Vargas for the Mets. 6.30 is our airtime tonight. Just want to keep you up to date on what's going on with the Phils. Where are the Phillies right now? 12 and 11? 12 and 11. One game behind the Mets right now for first place, and they're a half game ahead of the Nats and the Braves. Right now in the East. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, Braves and uh, Nats are both 11-11. and 11. And let's give the Miami Marlins credit. They have <laughs> taken up residency in their spot that they have earned, 7-17. Seven and 17. I mean, this team used to have Christian Yelich and Giancarlo Stanton on the same, in the same outfield. No. <laughs> Gone. Your guy Harper's hitting 262. Yeah, been headless in the last three games. He's a disaster. <laughs> Trade him. <laughs> well, at least in Philadelphia, the fans there will let him off the hook. They're very generous. All right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not one to throw the, my Philly sports fan pandemonium under the the bus here, but there were some fans that were out of line that were that actually did say that, and to which they were quickly hung up on on the uh, sports talk stations down there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I will say the Mets were completely out of line throwing at Reese Hoskins. The Phillies got to do oh, something tonight, I and I think there's going to be so fisticuffs tonight. There's going to be fireworks I, tonight. I am so sick of this unwritten rules stuff. No, I mean, the the Anderson kid for the uh, White Sox, he flipped the bat. All right, so what? Hey, eh? oh, we're mad at you. For flipping the bat, you ought to be mad at the guy that threw the pitch down the middle that he that he hit to the uh, to the lake. <laughs> yeah, that's who you ought to be mad at. And I it's not don't... like in this case, nobody nobody in the Phillies did anything wrong. The Mets dominated last night. They've dominated this whole series, but they just had to just get that in there. Hey, we're just going to send an extra message and throw at Reese Hoskins' head. <laughs> It makes no sense to me. I can't stand these unwritten rules. Can't stand it. Uh, Will Brinson, CBSSports.com, his bold predictions that the Raiders trade for the number one pick and take Kyler Murray. Wow. Can his you second imagine one that? Is, is that <laughs> the second one is, is that the Giants will not take a quarterback. I don't know if that's that bold, to be honest with you anymore, just because... The Giants are in a good spot to take care of some other needs on the on the line of scrimmage and also on defense. Yeah. And I, I really think they're going to be a player for Josh Rosen. Now, I, I did see Diana Rossini also tweeted out that if the Cardinals do take Kyler Murray number one overall tomorrow night, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to trade Rosen this weekend or tomorrow. It could right. be later in the summer. Right. Right. I just think he'd be a great fit uh, with the Giants. I really do. He could. I had favored him last year for the Giants as a pick. You know, it, but as soon as they look, they were picking too. Uh, I thought if there were trades made and so forth, maybe they were thinking Josh Rosen. But I don't care. Everybody says Barkley's the right pick. Paris Campbell 
according to Will Prince, will be the first wideout taken. And that DJ Metcalf is not a first-round pick. How about that? Yeah, well, this is his predictions. Both Iowa tight ends end up in the top 12 picks, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Fewer now that's surprising four to me. Quor- fewer than four quarterbacks are taken tomorrow. That's another one of his predictions. Now, I'll say this about Fant and Hawkinson. They'll both be first-round picks. But I don't agree with the top 12 thing. I'm not quite there. Yeah, this tight end class really isn't very strong either. Well, remember, when Penn State played Iowa, I didn't talk about the wide receivers. I only talked about the tight ends. That's all I talked about with their passing game, the tight ends. Uh, More Clemson guys will get drafted than Alabama guys. And fewer than four quarterbacks will be taken in the opening round. He, he writes that he thinks there's a chance that Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke could fall a lot further than they're projected. That I have heard a lot, especially about Dwayne Haskins. But after these rumors today, I don't know if I totally see it anymore, but I guess I won't be totally shocked either if he does drop. There's been a lot of mock drafts that have the Giants at 17 with their second pick taking... Um... Uh, Daniel Jones. I would uh, not like that pick at all. I'm not a Daniel Jones Austin, fan. Austin Gale's talking about you watch the tape, and his offensive line is bad, and his receivers aren't great. Oh, his receivers are terrible. I think they had 39 drops this year for Duke. Yeah. But even so, Daniel Jones has a lot to work on mechanically. Okay, so here's the final mock drafts for their staff. Uh, from R.J. White, Chris Trapasso, Chris has been on the show, and Ryan Wilson. All three have Kyler Murray won. Okay, and all of them to the Cardinals. All right. All three have, have Nick Bosa's second. Wilson and Trapasso have Ed, have see, Quentin Williams third to the Jets for Wilson, Ed Oliver third to the Jets for Trapasso, R.J. White is with you. Dwayne Haskins. Oh, okay. To the Redskins. All right. I'm not the only one then. Wilson has Josh Allen fourth to the Raiders. Hmm. Trapasso has Devin White to the Raiders. And Quinton Williams on R.J. White on his board. I wouldn't hate that for the Raiders either in going with Josh Allen. Devin White to Tampa Bay. On the Wilson board, Dwayne Haskins in a trade with the Bengals at five on the Trapasso board, Devin White on R.J. White's board to the Bucks For the Giants, Wilson has Ed Oliver, Trapasso has Josh Allen, White has Josh Allen. Let's see. Next is Jacksonville. Wilson has T.J. Hawkinson. Trapasso has Quinton Williams. And White has Ed Oliver. At the eighth pick, the Detroit Lions. Let's see. Wilson has Brian Burns. 
Trapasso has Rashawn Gary. And then a trade with the Carolina Panthers moving up to get Jawan Taylor. At 9, Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams. At 10, Denver, Devin Bush, TJ Hawkinson, Drew Locke. <laughs> now it gets all over the place. At 11, the Bengals, Rashawn Gary. Tampa Bay at 11 with Devin Bush. Bengals with Daniel Jones at 11. See, one has a trade, one doesn't. Green Bay. Noah Fant, Noah Fant, Devin Bush. Okay, 13. Cody Ford to the Dolphins. The Giants trade up and get Daniel Jones. Wow. Andre Dillard to the Texans in the trade. 14. Atlanta, Christian Wilkins, Christian Wilkins, Brian Burns. 15, Redskins get Dwayne Haskins, didn't have to trade up. 15, Marquise Brown, wide out from Oklahoma. Or Montez Sweat from the Jets in that mock trade with the Redskins. 16, Jonah Williams to Carolina, Brian Burns to Carolina, TJ Hawkinson in that mock trade to Detroit. 17, Daniel Jones to the Giants, Andre Dillard to the Dolphins in the trade, Cody Ford to the Giants. 18, the Vikings, Garrett Bradbury, NC State, Garrett Bradbury, the offensive lineman from NC State, and then Noah Fant. 19, Tennessee. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. Cleveland Farrell from uh, Clemson, the edge rusher. Christian Wilkins from Clemson. Now the Steelers. Byron Murphy, Washington, the corner. Cleveland Farrell, the edge rusher from Clemson. And D.K. Metcalf, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. I've also seen a report from SteelersDepot.com, a great site for those that follow the Steelers. There's, they quoted a Steelers scout last night that was on a podcast that mentioned that Rocky Asin from Temple is gonna, might be the number 20 pick for the Steelers there, which is a very interesting pick. I, I brought that up with Neil Kulong yesterday. Neil did not was not buying all right, so now let's just jump ahead here because we're running short on time. We'll jump ahead to the Eagles. This is what they projected for the Eagles. Juan Thornhill, safety from Virginia. Eric McCoy, the offensive lineman, Texas A&M. And Garrett Bradbury from NC State. Wouldn't hate the offensive line route if, if that's what the Eagles decide to do. And as we talked about Monday, Steve, they're in a really good spot where they can literally just go best player available they're in a great spot because I think they can list uh, they can list their top 25 guys here's our top 25 one of them will be available obviously multiple may be available but they can pick the the best guy they see in the board I think that's where the Eagles are right now yeah do they have a couple needs everybody has some needs in fact, on the after show, I mean, I, the suit has a list of needs. But, I mean, it's like, you know, that's the after show. <laughs> we'll, 
We'll come back with uh, more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, great to have you with us on the uh, show today. Draft is tomorrow. <laughs> and round one, Charlie Campbell, WalterFootball.com on the show tomorrow. We'll talk about the uh, draft, the opening round. And... Uh, Go from there. Uh, NBA now the NBA draft front. Oh man, I could do an entire two shows on this, maybe three. Jordan Poole of Michigan, who right now is the 68th rated prospect in the draft, it said now he says he's leaving. No more Michigan. Now right now he is projected to be either a second round pick and undrafted. And probably a G League guy. Who's advising these kids? You know, you know what strikes me is is the player who says, I'm 21 and I'm broke. Well, guess what? If you can hang in nine more months and you, you'll, you know, if you've been broke for 21 years, you can be broke for nine more months and then get yourself a better spot in the draft. I don't understand this stuff. I don't understand it. Once the draft is over with, I'll talk about a couple of people. I'm going to sit back and, and say, look, where when they declared for the draft, I was confused. <laughs> because I think there are a couple of guys I'm, about, I'm going to talk about that aren't going to get drafted. Last year, there was a number of guys who declared early for the NFL draft that did not get picked. Now, you would think that that would be a deterrent to this year's crop. Instead, more people declared. College basketball. Uh, what, 120-some-odd underclassmen declared for a 60-player draft? So you have this long list of guys that didn't get picked. Now, you would think that that would be a deterrent to entering the draft. Nope. More guys declared this year. One of the guys that shocks me is Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy of Virginia, who had a great NCAA tournament, he's the 98th rated player in the draft. And he says, no, that's it, I'm done, I'm in. In for what? Do you know how many players for the NBA draft declared this year? 233. Even if all the underclassmen got picked... 173 of them would be undrafted. What are you thinking?